now. It's just real, so nice. Good group yesterday. When we look, think of, of announcements, uh, announcements-wise, if you look at the back of, the, uh, of your bulletin, we have today, a, they call it the Battle of the Ages basketball game, round two, and uh, that's going to be at 1230 uh, out in the basketball court uh, in the behind, how do you describe it? Behind this building uh, in our play area back there, you'll see it. And so you're welcome to, to sit in and watch that game. Uh, you, if you want to play, you can even say, hey, I want to play and see. I think they got their team set, though, so but uh, you, we'll see how it is. Um, SoCal, <laughs> we don't have it set? <laughs> oh, the picture there? Okay. Uh, also, this Saturday, this Saturday is a SoCal regional gathering. Pastor Corey is in charge of that. And if you volunteered uh, to, to help in, in welcoming people and things, Pastor Corey, what time did you want them here at the church Saturday? Okay, if you volunteered to host, please be here Saturday at 9.30, okay? And uh, thankfully to Mel, we're going to have donuts and coffee ready, so it won't be a whole loss. It'll be, be fun here. People will be coming here from all over. Realize that we have churches coming here from, oh, what's the farthest? San Diego. Uh, San Diego, San Fernando, uh, a couple, uh, two in Los Angeles, uh, Orange County, uh, South Orange County. So um, they're, they're coming, these people are driving that morning from, from distances. So uh, please come, and it'll be a lot of fun. We have workshops. Also, next Saturday, next Sunday, a week from today, our service is going to be different because we're going to have a baptism. We have people that are going to be joining the church through what we call transfer of membership, and we also have those who are going to be baptized. So come next Sunday, and let's celebrate uh, these baptisms and these people joining the church, and you'll hear testimonies from them uh, talking about their lives and uh, how the Lord has brought them to this point in their life. Okay? All right. We're going to go over a few verses today, but I'm not going to go over them now. Normally, I would read some of the verses beforehand, but I think we'll just get right into the sermon right now. Okay? Let's, let's just join together in prayer. Let's depend on the Holy Spirit to speak to us and teach us his message. Lord, we thank you that we have the, not only the privilege, but the freedom in this country to gather publicly like this. Father, we thank you, Father, for this, uh, this beautiful property we have. We thank you, Father, for just even the health to be able to get out of bed and to come here and to gather together today. And Father, most of all, as we open your word, we thank you for it. We thank you for how you have put your word together for us to help us to know you, to help us even know ourselves, and to, and to live this life for you in this world. So, Lord, speak to us. Teach us your lesson for us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one thing about America, and if you travel around the other countries in the world, you realize that America is one of these countries where we, we really like big portions. You know that? When it comes to food, we like, we've gotten used to big portions in this country. It wasn't always like that. You guys who are my age, remember when, when sodas were like 12 ounces? Remember when it was a really big thing with Royal Crown Cola for 16 ounces? Now you go to A.M. P.M., they got 24 ounces, 32 ounces. It's crazy. So today, you know, when we think of today, we're used to bottomless fries. 
We're, we're used to mile-high pancakes. We're used to mother-load chocolate cake. You're, you know, we're used to all these things. We're used to, like, the pancakes at Leroy's in Monrovia. You guys ever been to Leroy's in Monrovia? I had some pancakes. Gosh, these huge pancakes that fill the plate. It's like, really a great place. You know when things, when we go to a place to eat and the portions are skimpy, we notice it, right? You notice when portions are skimpy. Matter of fact, you, you kind of want to just kind of get out of there. You don't care if you get a heart attack between the seat and the car. If you want a big portion, right? <laughs> but you know, when, it ta- when we talk about speaking, when we talk about words and, and, and our written communication, we want skimpy. Notice that? We want skimpy when it comes to, to communication. Uh, we text. We use acronyms. We use emojis instead of really sharing words that are from our heart. See, God isn't like that. When we look at God's word and we take time to read God's word and really ponder and reflect on God's word, it is rich. It is, it is satisfying. It's kind of like this big heaping portion of your favorite food if you really take it in the way God wants you to. Today, we're going to begin our study of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. To the believers in the church in Ephesus, the book, this letter is called the book of Ephesians in the Bible. And it is an overflowing ser- serving of, of spiritual enrichment. It really is. See, it was meant to be that way. Because Paul, the author of this letter, he just loved that little church in Ephesus. He loved it like his very own. Because he planted that church. He started it. He spent three years there working with the people and building that, that ministry up. And so he, he was like, like partners with them in relationship in that ministry. Where was Paul when he wrote this letter to the Ephesians? Hey, he was in prison. And a lot of times we forget that. Paul was in prison when he wrote this. A Roman prison. Time was roughly about 60 A.D. So when we put it on our timeline of how the Bible presents itself, we're talking about roughly 30 years after Jesus was crucified. Paul is sitting in this Roman prison writing this letter to the Christians in Ephesus. And the heart of this letter we see in verse 9. In verse 9 it says, He made known to us the mystery of his will. Wow, he made known to us the mystery of his will. So I'm going to tell you right now, just so you know that the story of this letter is all about, it's all about the mystery of God's will. And what is that mystery? The mystery is, is that because of Jesus Christ, God has leveled the spiritual playing field. What do I mean by that? That that before Christ, the Jews kind of seemed to have what we would call home field advantage when it comes to spiritual life with God, the Jews kind of had that home field advantage and that connection with the Lord. But when Christ came, boom, everything. He lowered the playing field for all of us. We all spiritually have the same opportunity for that personal relationship with God. Everyone. It doesn't matter if you're Jew. It doesn't matter if you're Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're black or white or brown or yellow or Dodger blue. You can be God's child through one thing, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. That is that great mystery of God's will. 
And that's what Paul is going to build this letter around as we get into it today and go on to it in future weeks. You know, when we think about this oneness, this wonderful level playing field of God, we kind of see a sample of it here in West Covina. Take, for example, every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, we have a Jewish group of believers that meet in room 10. Now, think about it. They celebrate their Jewish festivals and, and, and meals. When they meet together, they're singing in Hebrew. I mean, what in the world can they have in common with us? The blood of Christ. That's what they got in common with us, the blood of Christ. Old Pastor Gene Keener there, he's a neat guy. He meets with his group faithfully, and they look at Jesus as their Messiah, their Messiah Savior. And because of that, hey, we're all in the same family. See, that's part of the mystery that Paul wanted to communicate to the church in Ephesus. Just part of it. So let's go on. So today we're going to get into this, this letter that Paul wrote to the believers there. And I'm going to try something today that's a little different. Normally, if you've been here a while, I usually will break down a portion of the Bible and try to and make some sense in putting, let's say, three or four points together and then build around those three or four points during my sermon. I'm, I threw that out this week. I'm going to do what they call running commentary. A running commentary is a little different. It means I'm going to keep in focus the purpose on why Paul wrote this letter, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take each verse and look at it kind of independently, which allows me the freedom to focus in on maybe certain words and maybe certain phrases. Now, what does this do for you? It really broadens what, what, what the verse is saying. It doesn't focus it in so much in those points, but it broadens my, my, my uh, information I'm giving you. And hopefully, as, as you're hearing things, there's something that's going to strike you specifically. Maybe something that I'm going to say is going to hit you. Maybe a, a verse I'm going to refer to is going to hit you. It's going to speak to you right now in your life. So I'm going to try that. If you don't like it, come up to me and say, I hated that. Okay, let me know. Okay, let me know. Okay, because I, I need to know from you. Or I'll just ignore you. Maybe way. Let's get into it. If you have your Bibles, open up to the, uh, the letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start right at the very beginning, okay? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Let's read it. Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, it's printed right there in your handout. It's there, but it's going to be on the screen, too. So that was verse 1. Let's look at this. Paul, an apostle of Christ. What is an apostle? Literally, apostle is someone that is, who is sent out. In other words, there's an authority that's sending this person out. So Paul is an apostle of God. He's sent out. He's sent out with a particular purpose. And what was Paul's purpose? If you know the Bible... Paul understood his purpose in the, on the road to Damascus. God just kind of slapped him down off his horse, and he told him, Paul, you are going to be my apostle. You're going to be my messenger. You're going to be the one that tells the non-Jewish world about Jesus, my son. Yeah? Matter of fact, it's actually Jesus who was speaking. And, and realize that Paul was a Jew himself. He was a Jew. 
So apostle speaks to the identification of Paul. Paul is saying to the church, I'm an apostle. That's my title. That's my identification. But when we talk about the authority of Paul, realize it's different. He says, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. That's his authority. Paul is basically saying, I am here writing you because I have been given this authority from God. It isn't me, Paul. It's me, Paul, the apostle who was chosen by God to speak and teach you. So his authority was God. You know, here at West Covina, in this church, you know, when, when you hear me, when you hear Pastor Corey, what is our authority? It certainly isn't in us. It's in the Bible. If we don't always refer to the Bible, it's just, you might as well be watching, you know, some talk show on TV. No authority at all. Especially Pastor Corey. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but see, our authority has to come from God's word, or it's just man-made. And that can go every which way, right? So the Bible is our authority, and Paul is saying, hey, my identification, I'm apostle, my authority, God. Now, let's look at the latter part of that verse. To the saints in Ephesus. To the saints in Ephesus. Now, when Paul is writing that, he, no, no, don't be thinking about St. Francis, and don't be thinking about Mother Teresa, who just became a new saint. Matter of fact, you know, just... Um, I think I just heard it yesterday or today. They now have, the Roman Catholic Church now has their first gaucho, uh, gaucho, what do they call it, gaucho? Gaucho saint. In other words, he is the Argentine cowboy priest who they raised up to sainthood. So that's a real breakthrough right there, right? But we're not talking about any of that. We're not talking about any of that. When Paul says to the, to the saints in Ephesus, he's realistically just saying, you. He's saying, you are saints. Now, don't go out and start making necklaces with your picture around it, but you are, are, are saints in the New Testament. Basically, all that's, that's saying, in a, in a, and I say not all, but it's very profound, is that because you have Jesus Christ in your life, God has basically separated you from the world. See, that word saint has the same root word as the word sanctuary. This room we use differently than our social hall. This room we use differently than other rooms in our church. Why? We use this for a holy purpose. You as a saint, God has separated from the world. You are separated from the rest of the people in this world who don't know Jesus Christ. And you're separated for what? A holy purpose. And that purpose is to glorify God. So you, when Paul says to the saints in Ephesus, 21st century, that's us. He's talking about us. To glorify God. Let's go to verse 2. Paul goes on. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's break this down word by word. Let's look at grace first. It says, grace and peace to you. Let's look at grace. Simply put, grace means the favor of God. God looks upon you with favor. It's just like when I tell my kids at the store. I get all my kids, you know, for different reasons. 
And I say, look, if you weren't my kid, I wouldn't even be talking to you, man. You think if I go into Albertsons and some kid's ripping off cereal boxes off the shelf, I'm going to care? No, but if it's you, I'm coming after you. Why? Because I don't want you doing that anymore. I don't want you, that's going to go on to not ripping off cereal boxes, to ripping off cars, to hitting policemen, whatever it might go to. See, I care about you. You have my favor. You're special to me. When we talk about the grace of God, it's the favor of God that we have that we don't deserve. We don't deserve it at all. You've done nothing for that favor. I've done nothing for that favor, but we got it. And God demonstrates that favor to us by sending Jesus Christ to be born, to be our Savior, to be our Lord. That's grace. It's freely given. It's a wonderful thing. It's freely given. It's, when, I, when I think of freely given, the thing that's right now hitting, you know, I think about is McDonald's. I go to McDonald's, and, and once in a while I go there and I'll order a sugar-free vanilla iced coffee. Now, my McDonald's on Grand Avenue has a coupon thing I punch. They punch every time I do it. After I've paid for four of these, guess what? Number five is free. That is the sweetest one of all. <laughs> you know? It's free. And that, that, that is a neat thing. We like free, don't we? Free is neat. The grace of God, that free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, that free gift of favor that God shows upon us, we didn't do anything. Let's talk about peace. Or we can all relate to peace, right? Peace is that thing that you know when you don't have it. Let's think about two basic types of peace. You have that outer peace, that, that lack of outer peace. That could mean conflict. It could mean uh, conflict you're having with someone. It could mean wars between nations. It could mean uh, uh, just, just battling out. But we can also talk about that lack of peace in the inner person. Most of you have probably been there. I know I've been there more, more than once. It's that lack of peace in the inner person. When you close your eyes to go to sleep, you're not sleeping. Your mind is just going, ooh, ooh. Your mind is going over that thing over and over again. And it happens night after night after night. It could go on for weeks, months, even years. Some, and it's caused by different things. Conflict, heartache, whatever it is. It's that lack of peace. When we read about peace, and Paul says grace and peace, peace to you. Why does he say that? It's because Jesus Christ is what? The prince of peace. Yeah. Hark the herald angels sing. What glory to the number Heavenly what's what that phrase saying about some uh, peace? Um, gosh, I can't remember it. Um, no. Hail the heaven born prince of peace. Yeah, that's Jesus, right? Now what does he mean by that? Twofold. In Christ, we have that peace with God. You may not have known it, but before having Jesus in your life, you were, you were labeled an enemy of God. You, you had your sins, and you were living a life outside of God's will. And you were, you were not God's child at that time. But because of Jesus Christ and your faith in him, you have peace with your creator. You have peace with your with your God, you have peace. You can now call him your heavenly father. You are his child. 
But also there's a promise of peace that's that inner peace. It's that inner peace that can help us with, with those inner turmoils and those things that keep rolling around in us that, that can drag us down on the inside. Jesus said, we read in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. See, when we compare the world's peace with God's peace, the world's peace is very conditional. The world's peace, you know, basically what is the world saying? Vote for this person. Everything will be cool. Give us your vote and we'll make life wonderful for you, right? Pay this, give us, send a check in and we're going to send you this wonder item. Support this cause. In other words, when we think of what the world is getting, trying to get from us, and they're saying that in an indirect way, it's going to relate to good things, peace for your life. The things that the world offer are very selfish. They're very, they have this hidden agenda. It's, it's, they give things very sparingly, and it's very short-lived. But when we talk about the peace of God, it is something that is deep-seated. It is something that is there when you feel like you have nothing under you. It is something that goes on, and it isn't something short-lived. Now, you may say, how come I don't feel that? People, it's there for you. It's there for you. But you've got to have that relationship with God. You've got to have it alive and vibrant. You can't just say, I'm a Christian. I'm going to go to church today. No, there's much more. It's a, a relationship with God. That's when it's there. Let's go on. Let's look at verse 3. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I really believe the reason why I raised my voice there, because I, when I read this, I'm saying, whom? We're starting Paul's main body of the letter. We just left his greeting, his salutation, and now we're starting the main body of his letter. And Paul is going, Pah! you get this, guys? He's saying, look, think about this. You got everything. See, I think his octum probably raises in his mind when he wrote this. I think if he were saying this out loud, he would, his volume and his voice would get louder because of this. See, even though Paul, being in prison, needed encouragement himself, Realize the letters that he wrote to the churches, their main purpose were to encourage. Their main purpose was to, to build up the church. The main purpose was to correct the church because it was going off course. The main purpose was to deal with maybe something he heard about that they needed to wrestle with. So when Paul says this, what in the world does he mean? Look at this. What does he mean when he says that that who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every, that's all-inclusive, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What in the world could that mean? You think about it, and you read what these theologians are all saying, and they're all saying all this other brilliant, and they're saying all this crazy stuff, on the reason, all this stuff, because, see, in our minds, we will never be able to comprehend what that really means every spiritual blessing in Christ. Our minds are too finite. We're just little pea brains, you know, you and I. We, don't, we can't grab onto it. But 
let's talk about what we do clearly understand that is encompassed in this, this phrase, every spiritual blessing. The first thing I want to talk about is our positional blessing in Christ. What in the world does that mean? That means the Bible says that either you live in the world of Adam or you live in the world of Christ. You're in one or the other. If you live in the world of Adam, then you're still in your sins. Your sins have not been forgiven. You are on a, you're living a life that is contrary to God's will for you. You are living a life that is not pleasing to God. There is nothing, there's nothing of any value in your life in the, in the world of Adam that pleases God at all. But if you're in the world of Christ, my gosh, you're in a world of favor. You're in a world of grace. You're in a world that says, you are my child, and I love you. See, when God sees us Christians, God sees all that is pleasing and acceptable in Christ. When he looks at you, he sees Christ. That seems weird, but that's what he sees. He sees that perfection. He sees that sinlessness. He sees that, 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 that child of God. So in Adam, here's your choice. It's everyone's choice in the whole world. In Adam, you have that spiritual death and condemnation. Or in Christ, you can have the eternal life and sonship. Which one do you choose? Well, it's obvious. You're here, right? But that's the choice of the world. And when you think of people you really love in this world, that's their choice too. And you want them to make the right choice. So that's our positional blessing. But there's another blessing we can talk about, and that is our practical blessing in Christ. The practical blessing is a little different. As I told you that when, when God looks at us in Jesus, you know, he sees Jesus. He sees a sinlessness and an obedience and a love, and he has that, 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 that father-child relationship. But in practice, are you really that person? No, you're not. You do things that you shouldn't do. You think things you shouldn't think. You don't do the things you should do. We're not that perfect person. We're kind of like that story. You know, there's a, there's a kid's book that I, I think all of you, whether you're a parent or a child, you've all read this book of the little train that could. You know, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I think. You know, that's how we are. We're kind of like, we are a, a work in, in process. And we're like that little train that keeps on thinking, I think I can, I think I can. We've got to keep going forward, right? But the real blessing when we talk about the practical blessing in Christ is that each believer is blessed with various things. One, simply put, God is on your side. I already told you you got God's grace. That means God's favor is on your side. He's rooting for you. He's saying, come on. Yeah, you can do it. God is on your side. He's, he wants you to keep moving forward to be like what? To, in practice, to be like his son Jesus. He wants you to not stop. Well, no matter how big, how little it might be, get better. Get better. 
Do the things God wants you to do, whether it be spiritual or whether it be in contact with other people. Maybe it's the way you think. Maybe it's the choices you make. Maybe it's the way you act with your spouse. You, you deal with your money. However it might be, get better and line up closer with what God's teaching is. God's rooting for us. But it's also what we have on our side when we talk about practical blessing is that God sent what the Bible talks about as a helper, the Holy Spirit, right? That the Holy Spirit resides in the life of each believer. That's pretty weird, huh? That you have God in you. And because you have God in you, when you depend on God, you have God's help. He will help you. You want to pray more? Ask God. Pray, pray, pray. God, help me to pray more. He will. You're having deal, dealing with problems. Help me to love that, that unlovable neighbor more. You've got problems. That you might give me more wisdom, Lord, in regards to how I spend my money. Lord, I've got a conflict with this person I really love. How do I settle that? Give me wisdom on how and ways on how to deal with that. See, all these things are, are there, but we don't look to God that often. We need to look to God more. And that way we're kind of like that little engine. We're moving forward. And you, you remember the story? The little engine goes up the hill and then finally gets to the top and what happens? Arr, I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. It's that encouragement. When you see God working in you, it's that encouragement that, yeah, my gosh, God is alive. Oh, my gosh, this Christianity stuff is real. Oh, my gosh, I think I am transforming to be a better person. Wow. See, that's that practical blessing in Christ. See, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus to encourage and build up. Realize that when we read these letters too, whether it be correction in here or, or rebuke or, or building up, whatever, you know, this section Paul wrote to build them up. Really that, that those same emotions and that goal God has for those words to do for you. That as, it, as Ephesians, when they, when they read this letter, they stood up in the, before their, their group there on some Sunday and they read this letter that Paul wrote to them, Paul was building them up. Saying, look how special you are. Look at all that God has done for you. Look, you have every spiritual blessing available. There, God doesn't hold anything back from you. You're loaded for bear to live the Christian life. Now do it. See, that's what he wants to build them up. And hopefully that's what you're getting from these very same words. They're the same words that Paul wrote. He wrote to the church. God's given them to you this morning. I hope that you are built up. I hope there's something you grabbed on to today that you say, yeah, wow, I, I didn't know that. Or I'm glad I was reminded of that. Well, that's a real neat thing that challenges me. Well, that makes me feel like I really do belong to God. Whatever it might be. You know, I was, full, I, I had, I, I had real, I was real ambitious. When I started this study, I was, I, th I thought, oh, I'm just going to do the first six verses. Man, I got through three, and I said, oh, my God, my time's up. So three verses. Next time we get together, I'll go on from verse three, and we'll hit maybe the next three or four verses. Okay? So um, but remember, next Sunday, baptism and membership. So come prepare to hear some really neat testimonies of people's lives. Let's pray. 
Father, as we look at this book of Ephesians, uh, this letter really from Paul to this, to this church, we can just sense just uh, the heart of Paul to just build this church up and, and to the truths that are there that are just so strong and, and fundamental, Father, for us as, as, as your children. So use, use this book of, of Ephesians to, 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 to speak to our lives and to, to help us to understand you better and understand your great love and grace for us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.